We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Good afternoon. You are tuned and listening to the Woman to Woman show here on Community Radio, Kilkenny City. And I cannot believe it is the 18th of November already. Wow, the year has nearly gone and uh, a lot of people will be saying, wow, thank God this year has gone. Well, we have a great lineup for you today. But just before that, um, I've had many, many requests for a song from Amber Light, a dairy band that I played at the end of every um every uh every show during the uh menopause and cancer awareness month and this is about um uh, two, two two girls singing about losing their mother for cancer so i'd just like to play it for all our listeners who asked us to play that today so here it is it's definitely a tearjerker <laughs> When I look at these photographs, I am standing there with you. And that was two girls from my hometown back in the town I love so well in Derry. And that song is what they both wrote for their mother who passed away with cancer um, a couple of years ago. So that is on so much request by everybody uh, about that song and I love that too. Now I'm on later on the show we'll be talking to Lisa Morris the manager of the Amber Women's Refuge and we'll also be talking to um, Adina from the Kilkenny Salt Therapy but before that I have a really good surprise and pleasure for many ad- Average readers out there, and especially for women like myself who have really gone back to reading, uh, who have maybe never didn't have the time to go reading, or maybe uh, adult literacy is a big issue too. And according to the OECD, OECD, yeah, the Survey of Adult Literacy Skills, about 18% of Irish people aged 16 to 65 are at below level one in five uh, level literacy scale. And as well as that, 55% of the adult population have digital skills issues. Well, you know what? I started reading. I, but my, again, in I think it was the summer, and I was listening to a national broadcast, and I was listening to my next guest talk about her book, and I was so intrigued and so excited about the book, and I said, I want to read that book. So the next day, I trotted down to Kind's Bookshop, our only locally owned bookshop down there in James Street, and I ordered. It was actually in stock, so I was even more thrilled. Can always keeps up to date with stock, especially the Irish authors, and I'm delighted to say this author put me back into the she got me back reading again which is I'm really delighted because I am dyslexic but you know I'm back into reading I'm making the time 20 minutes before I go to sleep every night but however not only am I back to um 
reading again, I'm back to laughing again and it's about reading the book and uh, it's a really emotional book. It's talking about all the different emotions of an Irish family who's lost a loved one and I'm delighted to say on the line now I have the author of Below the Blue Sky, Anna McPartland. Anna, you're very welcome to the Woman to Woman show. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Oh, I'm delighted. Anna, I just loved your book. Your book <laughs> got me laughing so much so we were down in Inchidani in the summer at Inchidani Hotel there on the beach. Love and, it. Um, oh, I love, love it. it. And I was reading your book and my daughter came out of the balcony and said, Mammy, would you stop laughing? And then she looked at me and she said, what are you laughing about? And I said, this book is hilarious. But she said, I thought you said it was sad. I said, one minute I'm crying, the next minute I'm laughing, then I'm laughing again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm delighted to hear it. It's not the crying, but the laughing. <laughs> But, but they say crying is watering your soul. So I, I was watering my soul as well. <laughs> oh, well, you're very welcome for the water. <laughs> <laughs> so, Anna, you are an internationally acclaimed author. You, ha- Your books, you've been writing since about 2006, am I right? Yeah, yeah, published since 2006. I was writing for a lot longer. <laughs> yes, because I love the story about you writing. Is You actually, when you were 17, you, after uh, a, a horrific car accident, you decided to write. Well, I would know. My mum died when I was seventeen. I had Sorry. a I, I knocked down. I think in my when I was about twenty, maybe nineteen twenty, and uh, yeah, I, I I was on the stage at that time. I was doing stand up comedy, um, and I had kind of dabbled with the idea of writing, but I was kind of scared to do it. And I just thought, you know what, life's short. I'm going to do it. And uh, I was actually reading uh, Roddy Doyle's. Uh, Barrytown trilogy in the hospital and kind of the same as you I was laughing so much that the nurses used to come in and go what are you laughing at and I was laughing away and I had this um, deep cut in my lip and every time I laughed it would start to bleed and they were like for God's sake (laughs) (laughs) so I was um, so I just thought you know what I'd love to be I'd love to do that I'd love to tell those stories so that's when I started in earnest trying to write and it took me another 10 years to get a publishing deal Right, because you also have been you you also write children's books as well. I've just I wrote one children's book last year, and I'm I'm working on a second one at the moment. Yeah, I just wanted to tell all different kinds of stories, and it was really interesting because when I got my first um, book deal, it was on the basis of my first book, Pack of the Moon, and then I I got a book deal for three books based on that book, and when I went into the office to pitch them the idea for the next book she said to me well you can't write that and I said why not and she said because it's a children's book it's not an adult book and this book deal is for adult books and I sure had the clue I just thought I could tell any story I wanted to so it was years later that I kind of dusted off that old idea and I went I'd still like to write it so I was with an agent and she said do it write it why not and Anna, would you say it's from your your experience and of being a stand-up comic that you can really get people laughing and getting them to the core of the story uh, in your books? I think the reason I became a stand-up comic is because I've always had a very keen and dark sense of humour and I've always been able to pull out the fibres of fun from whatever is going on. I think I'm really lucky that I have that ability and I definitely inherited it from my mother 
who was the same kind of character and from and from my dad's side as well, my aunt who raised me, um, no matter what was going on, we'd be able to kind of quickly move to what was funny about it. Mm. And I suppose that's why I decided to maybe try my hand at stand-up comedy. But for me, the performance kind of bored me, whereas it was the telling of the story that engaged me. So that's why I just decided to start telling the stories. But yeah, definitely, you know, that, that comes from... I think that kind of humor comes from you as a person. You have to have, you have to see the world in a certain way to be able to make somebody, you know, to be able to tell a story that is incredibly emotional mm. and dark, but also lifts you up and is funny. And I've been very, very, very blessed to come from a long line of, you know, people with wacko senses. <laughs> <laughs> and do you know, because I was reading up on you as well, that you said that you, you also got that sense of humour of being able to laugh in dark times and sad times when you were looking after your mum and your grandmother, that you were able, your mum was able to laugh at the, the good of, not, you know, being sick and not being able to move and do things, And but you could laugh, as a, as a family unit, you and your mother and grandmother could laugh at that them days and them moments. We were, we were very lucky. I, you know, the thing is, is that people always say one day we'll be able to look back on this and laugh. Yes. You know that saying, so you're on the worst holiday you've ever been on and you've just paid a whack load of cash and your hotel is half built and there's, <laughs> you know, and there's blood on the walls and you're standing there going, oh my God, one day we'll be able to laugh at this. Well, we'd walk into the room, see the blood on the walls, see that the hotel was falling down, and we'd be on our knees going, this <laughs> You couldn't make it up. <laughs> and is, is that the, do you think it's got the Irish in us? Definitely. I definitely think um, the Irish have, um, the Irish come from a very dark and troubled past, and we're still very light people. Yes. So we're light spirits and definitely have an ability to find the fun. But then it's really interesting because it's funny when I hear Americans talk about America and only in America and only America's this and America's and I'm like, no, it's not only in America. And I think maybe we, we're a little bit like that when it comes to, you know, humor and all crack and all of that, only in Ireland. And actually... When I go abroad with my books, it's bananas how many people identify with those characters. And whether I'm in Germany or France or Italy or wherever I am, they go, that's my mum, that's my granny, that's my brother, that's my son. And you're like, we couldn't be that <laughs> different from the rest of the world if everybody's lining up to tell me that they recognize these people, which is a joy. Yes, and do you know what, I really, I want to now go tell our listeners about the books, right, because they've got a, a gist of who you are, if anybody here in Kilkenny sort of hasn't read the books the way I didn't, uh, you, you, I read the book uh, Below the Blue Sky it, uh, that came out this summer, but that, I didn't realise at the time, that was a continuation of The Last Days of Rabbit Hayes. That's right. Yeah. And now I'm wishing I had read that book first, but I'm going to go and read that book now again. <laughs> I'm doing well, everything backwards. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny, loads of them, because I wrote it so that it didn't have to be a continuation. I wrote it so that it would stand on its own. Yes. And um, so there, the first book is basically the, a chronicle of the last eight days of a 40-year-old woman's life. 
Sounds great for fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm saying from this book, I would say the Hayes family have certainly got humour in that. They certainly do. And it is, it's about a woman letting go. And it's basically meet Robert Hayes with her mother driving her to a hospice. Oh, I love her mother. Place where she will die. Yeah, her mother, Molly Hayes. Oh, I love her. Molly Hayes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's heavily inspired by my mum-in-law, who I absolutely adored. Oh, I'd love to meet your mum then. I'd love oh, to meet your mum. My mum-in-law. Mum-in-law, mom sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, no, she's an amazing woman. And uh, she, she, uh, she was alive when I wrote Rabbit, and she absolutely loved it. She loved having a character that was inspired by her. And, uh, yeah, the only reason I ever wrote Below the Big Blue Sky was because we lost Terry. And uh, I was mourning oh, her, and right. I just wanted her back in, I wanted to have her back in my head. Oh, so that's why I wrote What a lovely, way, lo what a lovely tribute to yeah. your mother-in-law. And I'm, I, I, I'm sorry for your loss. An extraordinary woman, an extraordinary woman. So I just wanted to hang out with her in my head. So oh. that's, that's, what, that's what I did. So, yeah, so... The first book is basically just that. It's, 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 it's capturing a family who are on the brink of losing one of their own and how they have to come to terms with that. And it's about a young mother who has to leave her child, her 12-year-old uh, daughter, and it's about, it's about, you know, the family coming together and about who's going to take the child and all of those things. And of course, when I grew up, when I was 17, or sorry, when I was um, 11, uh, my mum had to go into a home and my family um, gathered around and the discussions were who's taking Anna and then I went to live with my aunt and uncle or whatever. So, you know, it's, it's I mean, it's heavily inspired by my own life, by my, my, my husband's young life, his um, best friend, he was in a band when he was in his... Uh, late teens, early 20s that did very well in Ireland and uh, the lead singer was his best pal and uh, he was diagnosed with MS uh, oh. at a very young age. So is that so, Johnny then? Is that Johnny? So Jimmy was oh, Jimmy. man. But yeah, so I basically what I did was I took uh, bits of inspiration from right. my life growing up, bits of uh, inspiration from his life and um, from knowing all these characters and I mixed it all up into ah. a thing and I thought, right, and I spewed out this story and uh, so it went down so well internationally and people kept saying to me we'd love to we'd love more we'd love more and I always thought it would the book was finished and the family were done with Robert's death but then, then and I kept saying no I'm not doing it and then we lost Terry and I completely changed my mind and I went okay I'm going to write about a family grieving because that's what we were at the time it was a lo it's a lovely book so much so I haven't stopped talking about it and I'm still and I'm talking to you now and also too so your your story because there's Johnny in the book and who Robert and Johnny were in love weren't they mm -hmm. yeah and I love that story and um, Juliet Robert's daughter I just she reminds me a bit of me and my daughter um, had to grow up very fast and be very mature, emotionally mature, and she was very thoughtful, I think. Very, very thoughtful. Yeah, I think, you know, I think when when you have to grow up fast, um, I think there's huge benefits. People talk about the negatives, the cons all the time. Mm. They always talk about impact and the impact is usually negative at least that's what they talk about is the negative people don't tend to talk about the positive things that come out of facing adversity at a young age and 
I, for one, who, and again, there's different types of adversity. So I always say, you know, I've never experienced cruelty. My, the problems I experienced were all out of my mother's hands, out of my hands. There was nothing, there was, there wasn't that terrible darkness around it. It was just, look, this is the situation we're in. You know, mum's disabled, we're on our own. What are we going to do? How are we going to get through this? And we got through it together. And once there's love, I think any adversity kind of builds you up and it ignores you. And it means that you can find your way through life a little lighter than other people because you know what the worst is. And so you don't tend to stress about things as much. At least I found that. And I've talked to others who've grown up like I have. And a lot of them feel very similar. Mm. That they're like, you know, they're just a little bit lighter. They don't stress about small things. They know the difference between small anxieties and worries and when the bit really hits the shan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They really do, you know. So it's like, anything that happens in this house, I go, oh, well, it could be worse. It drives my husband mental. It could be like, (laughs) it could be like literally buckets of water coming through the ceiling and I'm like, ah, well, you know, nobody died. And he's like, babe, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> it's character building, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. There's a lot of pros. There's a lot of pros to, you know, having to deal with things when you're young. And so tell us the book. So we know, now I know that Molly is um, inspired by your late mother-in-law. Mm. And Molly, I have to say, was one of my favourite um, characters in the book. And um, so the book is about, as you said, a family grieving. Mm. And I have to say, you really captured and I, the, really, the Irish family unit and the Irish sense of humour. And it was, I felt like I was, when I was reading the book, I was reading about my next door neighbours and I was, I was there in the book and as an observer laughing. And I love the way that you got the kitchen table in the Hay, Molly Hayes' kitchen table just down to a tea, like every, every other family kitchen table. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's the thing is that by the time I'd written Below the Big Blue Sky, I knew this family so intimately from writing The Last Days of Robert Hayes that it was just, and because they were inspired so heavily by, like, my mom-in-law and friends of my, uh, of my husband's and all of that, that it was, the characters were very clear to me. And so it was just really easy. And because I was mourning myself, mm. because the whole family were going through that, Yes, it was fictional. It wasn't the same scenario by any manner of means. But it just, just it wrote itself. The book just poured out of me. Well, do you know, I think that you poured out of you, and it was like everybody who I know who's spoken to is glued to the book. Oh, I'm delighted to hear it. <laughs> you know, and I just, I think, I just love the different characters and dynamics of the Hayes family and how they all cope with grief differently. Yeah. Well, that's the thing I've learned growing up. I mean, I lost my mother at 17, and uh, then I I watched my friends go through different types of losses at different times in their lives, and it became apparent very quickly how everybody is so individual and how everybody, like, um, everybody mourns a death and a loss so differently. And... um, and it struck me because many people, because I lost 
my mum so early, p- people come to me to talk to me about their own losses. And the thing that always strikes me is guilt. Guilt that they don't, that they're not responding to death the way they think that they should. That there's a way that society makes you feel like you should behave after a death or you should think or and and you're not you're not behaving that way you're you're taking the death in your own way and you're you're not it's not reflective it's not you don't know you don't know why you're not doing what they do in the movies which is to collapse and nothing ever else works for you and it's all terrible and blah, blah. you don't understand why oh my god I laughed at that joke why did I laugh at that joke my mother died two days ago why yeah. am I laughing oh, and I feel so sick about it or why am I hungry I, I want to eat something shouldn't I shouldn't I not want to eat shouldn't I, shouldn't I want to just put myself in a ball somewhere and then there is somebody in a ball somewhere and they're going shouldn't I be able to stand up shouldn't I be able to do what the others are doing shouldn't I be able to serve the food with everybody else why am I the one that's in a ball and everybody feels guilty because they're reacting to something significant the way they're reacting to it and they keep and that burden keeps going on and the longer they don't talk about it the longer it goes on for and it's bananas that everyone I've spoken to has carried some of that guilt that they weren't doing what they thought they should do in the aftermath of a death. Um, to the point where one friend said to me, I think my dead relative is angry with me because I, I don't think I was sad enough. I did, right. And when I said, what do you mean sad enough? They said, well, I didn't, you know, end up collapsing under the weight of it. I didn't end up, you know, in a hospital somewhere because my... And I was like, no, that's it's a good thing that's a mm. good thing <laughs> that's excellent good for you and if you had ended up now that would be fine too you know we're all different we're all different and too it's about you know, being sad and, and grieving for loss but also I think we Irish were very good at and what is what came for me in the book is about celebrating somebody's life yeah we're really good at that and we're very good at funerals it's after the funerals we're not good at yes so we're brilliant at funerals we're brilliant at saying goodbye and we're brilliant at doing all the pageantry and everything around us we're absolutely like we're the kings of it we really are we're fabulous at it and then the door closes and everybody's gone and that's when the problems start that's when people start looking at themselves and and and, and wondering why they feel this as opposed to that and you know, and not everybody does, but 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 it is an extraordinary thing. I, I hear about it so often. People come to me all the time, going, you know, I don't I don't feel I'm doing this right. There is no right way to mourn. That's the fact. There's no right way. And it, and you know what? We all mourn differently, and we all sort of take in our own emotions, and we all think differently and feel differently. And I think that's what came across in the Below the Blue Sky because the Hayes family they all they all sort of um, grieved differently, but they all celebrated Robert Hayes's life. Exactly, exactly. And that's the thing is that there's no right way, there's no wrong way. There's just what's going to happen. So you just let it happen and go with and the flow go with the flow and love each other and that's what it's all about it's just being kind to one another um, ultimately and ultimately that's what this family is they have their ups and their downs and they ha- they have their difficulties but ultimately they're a strong family unit so once you're a strong family unit you can get through anything and that's kind of my mantra for life I think and it certainly comes through in my storytelling oh it certainly does and I think also what comes across in the book is about strong women yeah. That really came out to me. 
all the women in the book. Now there were strong men too, and yeah. but it was like the men were were were, um, were strong in their in their strength, but they were also strong in their weaknesses. In the book, it was really the men for um, the name escapes me now. Rabbit's sister who um, had to go to hospital with the test. Grace, Grace, that's right. Grace's husband. I thought he was just so there for her. Yeah. Even though she had to go to the, go to the hospital and get all the tests for cancer and everything. I don't want to give too much of the book away. Yeah. But he was so there for I thought, David, wow, for this big rock star. And then all of a sudden, Hatchevich suddenly found himself a guardian to his 12-year-old niece because yeah. Rabbit insisted that it was her brother who was supposed to be the guardian. And I just thought that was amazing. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, look, uh, strong women, for start and pretend. I was brought up by strong women. Yes. And so... And, and all the women in my life were incredibly strong women. I come from a very long line of strong women on both sides. So, um, and fascinating, interesting women that did extraordinary things. And so for me, that they're the characters that I come most naturally to me. Um, and as for the men, I'm very lucky to have come, I've come from, for the most part, very kind and strong and loving men. I'm a very lucky individual in terms of you know, the crop I've come from. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And so I like to reflect that in my work. Um, I don't write the same characters all the time, but when when I'm... I, 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 I can see the strength and the decency and the goodness in people, and I like to pull that out of my characters. And you've just, uh, as you said, you just, uh, you've written, just finished one... Uh, children's book Fearless Five can you tell us about that for maybe uh, our listeners listening in about the Fearless Five book well that's written under the name Barney McPerton because uh, uh-huh. all the kids in my life call me Barney so I said ah. this one is that where Bonnie didn't... came in was it Bonnie Barney, yeah, yeah Barney because um, I, I for two reasons one I thought I didn't want a child picking up an Anna McPerton book um, other than the Fearless Five and thinking it was okay to read uh-huh. that would not be good and uh, and also just because the kids in my life call me Banny so I thought I'd, I'd go under Banny so um, and basically the Fearless Five is um, based in the, in the during the World Cup, uh, Cup 1990 and uh, it is about a young group of friends and one of them uh, his mum is very sick with cancer and the rest of his friends decide that the only thing that they can do to help him is to get her to America to save her life. And so during the matches, the World Cup matches in 1990, when the whole of Ireland stopped and everybody was in pubs or off the street, they were going to rob some garages and get the money to send them out. (laughs) (laughs) To send them out to America to fix her. Um, and it's a very innocent little romp uh, where obviously they get caught, caught out royally, but it's about kids growing up during the World Cup, basically. And friendship. Yeah. And friendship. Yeah, friendship and it's all of that good stuff and getting in major trouble. <laughs> and Anna, what age group would that book be for? Eight to twelve. 8 to 12. And, and I, I'm more than sure that our Kang Kylie from Kang's Bookshop will definitely have that in stock as well because she's also, we're putting your name, your book uh, below the uh, blue sky is part. The Woman to Woman Show, we're launching our first book club book review next week and your book is in that, the oh, Below the Blue Skies. God. And so um, we're going to put in 
your other book uh, about ra- the last final days of Rabbit Hague. Yeah. And maybe we'll put we'll get children uh, to actually, Mike now give me the idea to have a couple of children um, in the book club and book review. And we'll put in the um, your book there as well. Oh my God, you'll be keeping me going. You'll have the mortgage paid. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all about supporting local, isn't it? And Irish. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Romania. <laughs> I appreciate it so much. But your books, it is your books. Your books have humour. Your books is about overcoming adversity. Your books have a very strong message and purpose in them. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. I mean, look, uh, that's what stories are. Stories are all, every story has a message, you know. Um, Every story that's decent has, has purpose to it, so... I just write what I know. That's what they say, write what you know. So I'm yes. writing what I know. <laughs> oh, well, you certainly are a very strong woman and we're delighted on the Woman to Woman show to have you part of our Woman to Woman show team of guests. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Well, Anna, it has been a complete honour to be speaking to you and talking about the book that got me laughing again, got oh, me reading I again. That. <laughs> that. That's amazing. Yes, there's two things. You got me laughing again, even though I'm going through this menopausal uh, time in my life, I'm laughing oh, again. you and me both, <laughs> Nigel, you and me both. <laughs> I know, we do an awful lot of talk here on, on the uh, Woman to Woman show about women going through the menopause and, and oh, overcoming the menopause. Living the dream. Isn't it? Oh God, it's definitely living a dream. <laughs> <laughs> if only we could sleep. <laughs> oh, stop, please. <laughs> well, Anna, we're delighted. We'll keep in touch with you. So, will you keep in touch with us about any more books or anything else you that you're doing? Me well, absolutely. And keep in touch with us because we would love to keep uh, find out more about what you're up to and the books you are. And maybe we'll get some children in to uh, maybe someday to talk to you, uh, make be able, who read your book, The Fearless Five, and might be able to speak to the author herself. That'd be super. Wouldn't it be lovely? Lovely. Oh, that would be just so lovely because it's like what I'm doing now and for children, that's even inspiring. And, and it's about getting children and, and adults reading again, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And the Emma Society at the moment are, are doing their big readathon, which is a fantastic time for both at the moment. Normally it's aimed at children, but they're actually doing it for uh, adults as well. So if there are people that still want to just um, get on board with the MS Readers on while they're doing it and earn a few quid for charity that'd be amazing too and what that is for the NS did you say MS yeah. oh MS oh Most god definitely the MS Readers on yeah oh so right they, you know the help they can get this year so it's encouraging everybody back to books yes adults kids and as I say if you want to get a sponsor to read a few books do it. <laughs> Definitely. And just before we go, uh, something before my, my head, uh, the blue, blue, Germany, you've been so successful. All your books have been translated into German. German, France, Italian, French, Italian, Spanish, Portuguese. Wow. Um, you know, well, we're, we're, we're pretty, we've got 15 or 16 languages, I think, but Germany is my biggest market. And Is that because they get the sense of humour? Yes, be- totally. Wow. Yeah, yeah, they absolutely do. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a huge market for me. So, um, yeah, it's extraordinary. And then France comes up pretty pretty uh, high next to that, yeah. I think it's maybe second in line at this point. Um, and they get it as well. So that's what I was saying earlier. It's interesting. We always go, well, there's no crack like the crack in Ireland. And, yes, I'd be at a French book fair and they're all coming up going oh my god you remind me of 
Well, Anna McCausland, thank you so much indeed for taking the time to talk to us today. We really, well, I know I'm personally delighted and I know many other of your um, fans and readers here in Kilkenny are delighted oh, I'm too. I'm delighted to do it and love to everyone in Kilkenny, mind yourself. And maybe if you're down here sometime after the coronavirus, you might pop in and say hello to us. We'd love that. I love that. And just to remind our listeners that uh, Karen Kylie from Karen's Bookshop has a stock in. So if you want to go out and buy for yourself or even as a present below the blue sky, it's they're stocked in Karen's Bookshop. Well, Anna, thank you so much indeed. God we- stay well and stay safe. Back to you. Okay, bye. Thank bye. you so much indeed. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. You're very welcome back to the Woman to Woman show here on Community Radio called Kenny City. Don't forget, we are streaming live on www.crkc.ie and you can text us on 86 Well, that was a great, that was really uplifting chat there, talking to Anna McPartland, an international acclaimed author. And uh, we certainly want to hear more from Anna and her just upbeat uh, perspective on life. Now, we are welcome back. Our our very popular lady indeed is Lisa Morris, manager of the Amber Women's Refuge. How are you, Lisa? I'm very well, Roisin. Thanks a million for having me on again this week. Oh, no, sure. That the, uh, uh, the Amber Woman's Refuge is certainly something, that, as you know, the Woman to Woman and show really will be keep uh, promoting uh, weekly on the show again. Absolutely. And you are so very close to our hearts, as you know. Oh, thanks, Roisin. So a lot is happening uh, the last couple of weeks. You have been very, very busy because you have the One Million Stars project going ahead now up in the final stage now when you think about over a year. Yeah, absolutely. I was just talking to Siobhan McQuillan yes. is leading this project for us in Amber. So I was, we were just talking the other day and just reflecting back on the year. We started this, yeah, just over a year ago where we had a vision that we would have an installation of stars in... McDonough Junction in Kilkenny um, for this year for the for the 16 days of action. So the 16 days of action is starting on the 25th of November, which is next Wednesday. What is that? And yeah, the 16 days of action is a global um, a global event that would happen every year, and it's opposing violence against women. So there's events that happen all over the world, and for us, um, we're having two special events actually on the 25th of November. One is the installation of our 10,000 stars. So we'll have 10,000 stars that have been handwoven by people from Kilkenny and Faramide, from rural Kilkenny, from Kilkenny City. There's been so many weavers that have been involved in this project over lockdown and over the last 12 months. So each star, like the amount of work that has went into weaving, one star alone. So we're going to have 10,000 stars hanging in McDonough Junction. Wow. And it's, supposed, it's just to show the solidarity that's there and the light and the hope that's there for women and children who are experiencing domestic violence. It, you know, it, it does, it shows, it's really for all types of violence and abuse, but I suppose for Amber, we look, we're, our main aim is looking at, you know, abuse-free lives for women and children. So that's one of the events that's happening next Wednesday in McDonough Junction, so we'll be launching um, the installation then. But we also have... Um, a webinar taking place as well next Wednesday and that's been run by our outreach team Anita and Sarah they have um, Luke Hart is coming on to talk about his experience of 
their family's devastating story where his father murdered his mother and his sister. So we'll hear a really in-depth story on coercive control and what their upbringing was like and how it ended in such a tragic, tragic um, way. So Luke will come on and talk to us through webinar. Now we have, it's actually, I think the girls actually had to close it because there's, there was such a demand for tickets. So it's closed at the moment um, and it's, it's a pity, but we hope to run something again maybe next, you know, next year because it was an extremely popular event. That's also taking place next Wednesday on, on a Zoom webinar. So hopefully people got their tickets. We know there's definitely nearly 200 people after um, applying for tickets. So that's we hope brilliant. it's going to be a great event. Yeah. Oh, that's very amazing. Informative. Yeah. Well, congratulations on, on that because, you know, that, that that's really big, uh, a big webinar and, and really a big topic. And it's really, really getting to the heart of the core of the matter of getting the, the children talking about that. It really is, and I suppose you, you probably have seen yourself. Um, last week we had our first conviction for coercive control yes. in this country, so it's yes. absolutely fantastic. And that's why I think you know people need to know what coercive control is. I know we've talked about it before, and it's not you know it's not the easiest topic to explain. So it's it's not just a once-off pattern of events. It's or it is a pattern of events. It's not just a once-off, but it includes coercive threats. It's not, you know, just physical abuse. It's all types of threats and intimidation. But I think the webinar with Luke will really go into that and what it was like for him growing up in that. You know, and I'm sure there's plenty of children that are growing up in situations and like like this that don't know and they don't know, I suppose, until they reach their, their teens or their adulthood um, that what they were living in was actually an abusive or a coercive relationship. So it's just, we really need to start highlighting what coercive control is, what domestic abuse is. You know, it's all so important to be aware of and for people to know what it is because it's such a stigma still. You know, there's such a, a stigma attached to talking about domestic abuse still. We definitely see an increase in, you know, people love hearing about and learning about it now so that's that's the positive side of it but I just still think it's something that isn't talked enough talked about enough so that's why we're looking at aiming to promote you know kind of an education around what it is and it's it's even more harrowing when you hear it from an actual survivor's yeah. story himself and how tragic yeah. his mother and his sister had to lose their lives but at least he's you know he's committed to raising awareness now around coercive control and things that you can identify so yeah it'll be a great great event next wednesday oh well many congratulations on that a lot is happening next wednesday for amber women's it Refuge. is it is yes and lisa also uh now since really since covid now that there, there is access to rent supplement for victims of domestic abuse and violence now yeah there is i suppose over um over lockdown over the last few months there's a new protocol to assist victims of domestic violence and it's, it was established between the Department of Social Protection and TUSLA. So basically under the protocol then, if you were a victim of domestic abuse, you were able to apply for rent supplement on a referral from TUSLA or else a TUSLA funded service. So Amber are a TUSLA funded service, so we're able to help people apply for this rent supplement. And where an application then is made for this rent supplement, um, you would be provided with an initial three months period of rent supplement where you're not required to undergo a means test which is great because obviously at that stage people are in crisis and they need to leave or get out straight away and you know you don't want that means test down on, on 
through, you know, trying preventing you from trying to leave. So that's great that they have no means test for the first three months. And then um, you'd only be required to pay a minimum contribution towards your rent, regardless of your means for that period. And then after the first three months have passed, you are provided with a further three-month extension of the rent supplement. But, However, that's actually subject to usual means assessment and there's some eligibility criteria. But it gives that breathing um, space, it uh, does. Lisa. It does. It really gives that breathing space because that's, you know, that's a lot of the reason why people can't leave or don't, you know, they, they're not in a position to leave because they've nowhere to go. So, you know, this is definitely an incentive for people to be able to maybe make that step if they're ready to do that, that they have rent supplements that we can help. You know, all they have to do is contact Amber or a Tusla funded service or even Tusla themselves and they will make the application for the person. And, you know, it's just, it takes that pressure out because you're wondering, are you going to be eligible for it? So this three months, Grace, I think is really a really good um, initiative by the government. So it's great that we've actually used it ourselves. We've, we've had two or three applications already and we've used it. Brilliant. Like obviously the housing crisis and trying to find the accommodation is kind of a downside of it because there's not that much accommodation out there. But we're taking it as a positive. It definitely is a positive there and at least it's something extra to try and help people that are ready yes. to leave domestic abuse situations. Well it's definitely a breathing space and for women and children to catch their breath and to actually yeah. just even to heal within them three months of just gathering their thoughts and themselves of where they are, where they're going to go and where they go from there. And also before we go you also have the um, the uh, the raffle, the 12 days of Christmas bumper raffle. Tell us about that. We do. Yes, so we're running, we just launched it last Sunday, so we have a 12 days of Christmas bumper raffle. So literally what it is, is that we have a range of prizes that have been donated from local businesses around Kilkenny and Carlow. Um, they range from vouchers from for clothes shops to butchers to restaurants. There's loads, we have loads of different prizes. So what we're doing then is over from the 12th the 24th of December we'll be announcing whoever won the prize then each night so there'll be 12 prizes over the 12 days and to get your tickets you just have to go on to our Facebook page or our Instagram page and the link for the Eventbrite it's an Eventbrite event so you right. have to link the link is there in our bio and it's 20 euro for a ticket but the prizes are brilliant they're, they're probably worth just over 2,000 euros for all of them wow yeah so it's a really it's but, you know, it's coming up to Christmas, it's something positive, and, yeah, we're looking forward to announcing the prizes over the 12 days. Well, Lisa, uh, we're running out of time, unfortunately, but, Lisa, uh, we'll be talking to Sarah next week and then yourself yes. alternatively, and then after Christmas we'll get back to the way we were uh, pre-COVID and we'll be getting the regular updates and everything else in January again. Brilliant. That sounds like a plan, Roshi. It sounds thanks like so a plan. <laughs> oh, you're, well, delighted to hear you again. <laughs> ah, thanks a million, Roshi. Lisa, take, uh, take care and stay well, and to you and all your staff and to all the, the, the people who are availing of your services. Thanks so much, Roshi. Thanks so much indeed. Thank you, Lisa Morris, from the manager of the Amber Women's Refuge. We're going to take a short commercial break, and then we'll be talking to Kilkenny Salt Therapy. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. I'm here with Adina from Kilkenny Salt Therapy. Kilkenny Salt Therapy are the woman-to-woman sponsors of our show. Adina, you're very welcome to the woman-to-woman show. 
Adina, this week we are talking about how salt therapy can help with people living with stress. Exactly, yes. Stress and anxiety, um, you know, affects everyone in different ways and we might not even realise it. Studies show that anxiety and stress can overpower our immune system as well. It can impact our body, our behaviour, the way we think and feel as well. Left and manage stress can lead to serious illnesses and other physical issues such as sleeping difficulties, high blood pressure, susceptibility to infection and low energy levels too. What are the really? common effects of stress on our body, Adina? Yeah, just to mention a few that like the headaches, common headaches, um, muscle tension or pain, chest pain, fatigue, upset stomach sleep problems, um, restlessness as well, lack of motivation or focus too um, are a big factor. Dina, can salt therapy help with people with stress, anxiety and fatigue? Yes, while improving our respiratory and skin health, salt therapy can also boost our mental well-being. Stress will affect us some point in our lives and salt therapy is a holistic option to help us manage it with little or no medication. Undergoing a halotherapy session or salt therapy is easy. You really only need to sit back, relax and breathe. We have two salt rooms, one for children and one for adults where you will go in and inhale breathable salt particles. Um, these salt particles enter your airways and are said to have a balancing effect on body and mind as well. Salt therapy helps eliminating unwanted blood cells, increase brain function and heart productivity, keeping that blood flowing and filtered. The negative ion environment provided by the salt particles can leave you feeling invigorated and refreshed. A session in our salt room is equivalent to being at the beach for, for a couple of days. Our therapy for stress and anxiety, it's not only effective in treating adults, it works wonders for children too. The calming properties of salt poses no health risk or negative side effects and provides almost instant relief for everyone. So making salt therapy a family event, it's more important than ever to aid in improving the whole family's well-being and also quality of life. So you could book a room for the whole family? Exactly, yes. We only offer private sessions. It would be the family members, the same household. Um, we can, um, you know, we can allow more than one person. And so what are the benefits of people who suffer from anxiety have experienced from going to the salt rooms? Well, just to mention some, uh, it improves your mood increases uh, mental performances, boosts relaxations, relieves stress and improves um, sleep patterns as well. So taking a moment of your day to relax and unplug from the noise of social media or the everyday life, it's something we don't seem to do nowadays. So just taking the, the 45 minutes to ourselves to focus on clearing and detoxifying our mind and body, it's a great favour we can do to ourselves. It's just amazing the power of salt therapy, isn't it? And every week, Idina, with you and Wana, I'm just absolutely amazed the it benefits is, yeah, of salt therapy. Just, yeah, halotherapy or salt therapy is a great way to relieve symptoms of stress, anxiety and fatigue. It just rejuvenates our, our mind and body without the side effects of medication. And this might be the missing ingredient to, to our wellness routine. And I'm noticing it, Adina, with my asthma. I'm noticing since we've closed down in level five, I'm using, I'm relying on my inhaler a lot more. Exactly, yes. Um, because your airways get narrowed back, you know, with all the mucus production, which the salt would have helped you to release it. Uh, it will help to release the mucus from your lungs and your body will be able to expel it. 
and obviously it increases your lung capacity and your oxygen intake as well. So I'm sorry you're missing your at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I have no choice, but you know, yeah. I'm waiting in great anticipation to <laughs> we get out of level five again. Yes, um, like I can recommend some of the products, you know, uh, as usual, my favorite and the most, my first pick is the Salt Air UV, our home salt therapy solution for people that are not in position to travel to, to our salt rooms. Um, so they can use that in their um, in their bedroom in their own home and get the benefits of going to uh, to the salt rooms. This, our beautiful salt lamps as well. We have the two types: the black salt lamps and the Himalayan salt lamps as well. And the bath salts, you know, just every now and then, if we can a lovely bath with uh, 10, 15 minutes, not more, you know, up to 20 minutes, you can uh, do a bath salt and to get uh, relaxed. Yes. And there's nothing like relaxing in a salt bath. Exactly. <laughs> well, Adina, thank you so much. You'll be back with us next Wednesday. And yeah. uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what I will learn next Wednesday Lovely. on the benefits. Thank you. Thank you. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM.